Hello, welcome, TJ. Hi. Hi. Uh, TJ, have you ever played Subnautica? Uh, yeah, I have. Boy. All right, Aaron, hi. Hi, where do you find diamond? Because it's driving me nuts, because I need, like, diamonds for three friggin' things. Can I, can I talk yep. to you two about Subnautica hey, for a second here? Uh, or, TJ, you go, go ahead if you know where the diamonds are. I have, no, I have no idea, but I'm sure there's a Leviathan next to it, because that's what they always do. Yeah, okay, so I gotta ask you, okay, so you, you, you all have, have found, well, you, you both have probably found very large things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, very, very large things that don't like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've never played the Subnautica, because uh, the depths of the ocean where there could be giant predatory things, it turns out, is one of my most base-crippling primal fears. Uh, I watched a video compilation of people going out into the ecological dead zone, and even though I knew it would happen, I actually had, like, spine-tingle, uh, like, extreme physical discomfort. Really? From what happens when you go out into the dead zone. Really? Yeah. Uh, it really freaks me out. Like, I even, like, I know it's not in the game, but, like, someone, I can't remember who, was saying, oh, what if you, you keep going down in the dead zone, and you just suddenly see, like, a giant mouth for a split second and and then you're you're gone and I'm like great now I'm visualizing that now I'm really friggin freaked out uh I can't play that game ever <laughs> it's too much <laughs> the fact that a leviathan might just go like rawr and I'm like what and then starts like mandible wrestling whatever it is I'm flying around in in, in the water and like I can't deal with that it's it's okay I mean when they get close you start hearing the noises I don't yeah. like hearing the noises they're very anxiety-inducing noises. They're very well designed, but like, have you guys gone into the ecological dead zone? Um, I found one or two areas where it's pretty sparse. This is See, like if you go yeah. off the map. No, yeah, not, you, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't go, think I've gone off the map. Off the map. Okay, Aaron, go off the map after we're done recording, and then and then Twitter me what happens. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to go too farther into that if Aaron hasn't actually done it. TJ, have you gone off the map? I have. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, I can't deal with it. Uh, hi, welcome to our Transformers podcast. <laughs> uh, this was on my mind because when I pinged you guys, the first thing I saw was Aaron saying he's Subnautica-ing, and I was like, oh, cool, the game full of terror. Um water man it's not cool you know it is cool though apparently vinyl is quite cool uh mm-hmm. i didn't know this thing was already out but the transformers g1 score vinyl uh sold through already it's run of i think what was it 2000 copies yeah 2000 copies yeah um 500 optimus 500 megatron uh and then a thousand bumblebee ones for think geek um so uh the tfw got a uh an in-hand like an advanced copy that uh DFW site owner Tony underscore Bacala has written a review of and taken a very nice photograph of the vinyl, and I'm sure he's one of those folks who can totally play vinyl. In fact, it's not hard to play vinyl. It's really easy. But um, this thing's out. It's even getting a repress. It's getting another run because it sold through super fast. Uh, It's only on vinyl. And apparently, this is the thing that surprised me. 
is it's apparently just a, a curated selection of tracks. It's not even the entire soundtrack. Okay. Um, which makes me, if you if you read the article, there's a whole lot of detail here about how like the the version of the theme song doesn't have the robotic effect over the background singers and stuff. All of this sounds to me like this is raring to go for doing a larger digital or CD release of like the full full soundtrack. Uh, maybe I'm not supposed to know this because it's already happening. The vinyl days. Um, however. Uh, this thing, so A, I didn't know this thing already had had come and gone. Like, apparently it's getting prepped to ship out to everyone who bought one now. But uh, I didn't know about the curated part. That I find that actually kind of disappointing. Um, do either of you guys have the ability to play vinyl? No. No. Because I don't. And I'm, I'm not, like, proud of it. Because it's, like, it's super friggin' cheap to get a vinyl player now. Uh... I am kind of wigged out about the part where they are just like not saying a single thing about a non-vinyl release, like at all. Apparently, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I, I know there's a huge collector's market for vinyl these days. It's it's had a popularity resurgence. It's like for sure. The, yeah, I have no idea why they don't want to make money though. Cause... Yeah, because it's. I've never in my life heard of the idea that in 2018, at least, like that a digital or CD sale would negate a vinyl sale. Because like most people who buy vinyls, like okay, I follow some groups who make music and they release stuff digitally, and they also release stuff on like every medium they possibly can because it's all less expensive to produce now. And and the folks who are going to buy the vinyl usually are also going to throw down the like five to fifteen bucks for the digital or CD copy as well because why not? Uh, so I, I I got to assume that they're they're gonna do a digital or CD release or that their license is vinyl only somehow, which I have never heard of. Because yeah. uh, I yeah I'm I'm feeling just like like I'm sitting here going like well I'm sure someone will rip the vinyl to digital. But I'm like, that's not how I want to support this. <laughs> uh, anyway, I can't support it right now, whether or not I, whether I want to or not, because you know they haven't put up a pre-order for their next run, which is apparently going to happen in the summer. Um, but before there was one post in the thread I really wanted to share. But before I get to that, um, either of you guys think you might just get the vinyl if it is not impossible to get? Because I looked it up, it was only like twenty five bucks. Which doesn't seem like a bad price for a custom, if, like you know. If I had some other, if I had some way to play a vinyl, maybe, um, I would be more than happy to purchase some sort of digital version of this. Yeah, because I'm at the point right now where I'm like, I'll I'll try to get it on the next pre-order so that I don't feel guilty when I go to find someone's rip of it, so I can actually listen to it. <laughs> but that's thing, again, that's I... not really the attitude I want to have. No. i would love to support this i would love to listen to it but now you you know and one album is not that expensive when i have to buy the album and the player then okay now we're getting a little bit a little bit pricey just to listen to some music i mean to be fair they sold through their run so it's not like you know we're depriving them of anything Mm -hmm. here 
they they have sold their run and are going to do another one so you know all's well but uh, yeah i i sure hope that you know at least at some point it can be answered as to why there isn't a cd or digital release because uh, I just, yeah, I, I mean, I could see the idea of like, hey, we want to not, you know, we don't want to compete with ourselves with our own, you know, vinyl release. But I just don't think you are competing with yourself if you put out digital to go with a vinyl release. Um, anyway, I, I was also wondering, like, you know, aside from retro chic, I was kind of in the back of my head thinking, man, vinyl, huh? Uh, turns out someone in the thread actually put down a pretty uh, Infosore, uh, board member Infosore, put out a pretty cool... Um, you know, at least at least Infosor's perspective on uh, on this whole thing. I'm just going to read some of it uh, from Infosor's understanding. Um, back in the 50s to 80s, an injection molding machine was a pretty big expense. Uh, however, uh, nowadays uh, it's been discovered that with modern tech and old hardware, you can refurbish old vinyl presses rather easily. So suddenly, your small-time garage band could release a small run of 100 to 1,000 12-inch discs with less costs than a flight to LA to audition for a big record label. And then people started trading and collecting vinyl just for hipster cred a small band you probably never heard of i have a vinyl from their live show at park slope so yeah vinyl's kind of underground now cooler than it's been in years urban outfitters was selling 60s style, uh, 60s style portable record players for years now i knew they were new because they had modern ports on them and i learned about other stuff because my father grandfather used to be in the injection molding business for decades and you hear stuff end quote uh so i actually had, had kind of been curious but not curious enough to google it as to what was up with the vinyl resurgence and that all makes a whole lot of sense uh, it's just not all that expensive to make vinyls now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Um, like a group I really like, well, artist I really like, uh, Perturbator, um, puts up all of his stuff on Bandcamp for pay what you want, but then every release he does also comes out on CD, audio cassette, and vinyl. Uh, and I believe that's how he makes a lot of his actual merch money. What about 8-track? Um... Okay, I'm not joking when I say there that might be one of the options, okay. but I just might not be remembering. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the last yeah. the last Perturbatory release was just a wall of physical medias that, that I had not seen in a long time in some really cool colors of plastic. Right. What what about uh, a wax cylinder? Like a really, again, I, really I, old I, school. <laughs> I don't want to say no because I'm not sure if I'm going to be misremembering. I think a wax cylinder is harder to make in a way where you can ship it. What um what was the the DV discs? Um, mini disc. Was that what the like the, in the DV? Audio that was players? the Sony one. Yeah. Uh no wait wait that might be something different. Um because there was mini DV tapes yeah. and there might have been an audio yeah well, yeah for uh for those little personal recorders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I, I'm not joking. I think that that might, I, I could go look, but I just, I, I don't, I don't want to, cause I don't want to type right now. What about, uh, a, what about a hit clip? That, okay. That just came up on the beast cast the other day that I was listening to. And it really like, I hadn't thought about, is it hit clips? It's hit clips, it's right? Hit clips. Because when the beast cast was talking about them, I was convinced they were hip clips. Cause you could strap them to your hip, like on a carabiner. And uh, that's not the case. But yeah, I don't think anyone is operating in hit clips. Although people should, because those things were freaking cool. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted a hit clip. Uh, cli- wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted one, all right? That's all. Except that they didn't make any of the music I wanted. And I think that's why I never ended up getting one. Because it turns out I didn't like any pop music when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, anyway. The vinyl's uh, come and gone. It'll have another run. Um, so go get them if you can. And... Uh, 
hopefully the second run looks as pretty as these discs do because i looked at you know pictures of all the different versions uh it's real friggin' cool uh way to press those discs mm-hmm. in all those different colorways like the megatron one is the one to get as far as i'm concerned but uh yeah, um, I'm, I'm assuming if they do another run, they will find different colors to, to press them in. I would ha- heartily recommend they do that anyway, because <laughs> that seems to be the way to get collectible vinyl stuff to, you know, stay popular. Uh, and yeah, moving on, we got a listener question from Prime135. Aaron, I would like you to read this to us. Okay. You... Uh, hello there, tis I, the Porgamus Prime, captain of the IKS Excelsior. Don't correct me, I know what I wrote. Uh, and Cyber Planet Keyholder for This Land here with another listener question for you fine podcast folks. So I've been wondering, what's one major mistake you would like to fix with the history of the franchise? It can be fiction, toy, or just generally brand related, but it has to be something you consider as a major misstep by Hasbro. Thank you for your time and kapla. Um, I want to I want to quickly tweak the question. I don't think it needs to be a Hasbro misstep. I would just say any Transformers related misstep uh, just to open it up a bit more. Um, I know mine, but... Uh, well, why don't you tell us it? Well, okay. What if when folks were making the storyline for Transformers Superlink, uh, also known as Transformers Energon, stateside, what if instead of being a colossal pile of dumbasses, uh, they didn't have half the cast of villains get mind-wiped, and instead actually made use of the fact that these series were the sequels to Armada and Micron Legend, uh, and and not have Alexis be in a cartoon along with the ghost of Starscream and literally never have them cross paths or meet or have a single scene together whatsoever. Um, you know, why, why don't you make Superlink not, not suck? That would be my uh, thing to fix uh, just right off the top of my head. Because that bugs me still. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Uh, anything you'd want to fix? Um... Man, I'm trying to think that like get, can we just say crappy story? Period. I mean, well, you got to pick one. <laughs> I had to pick one, you got to pick one. <laughs> um, to kind of roll back to 500 talk, it would be nice if the movies had good coherent story like if <sighs> yeah. The biggest thing and as I listened back to 500 and thought about it more, very much like somebody in the very beginning of any of these things sitting down like okay before we write this stuff let's like get a real like writer's bible and these are the rules Mm -hmm. that we're required to follow and follow them yeah that would be cool like consistency (laughs) just just because it's, Uh, it's things like um oh shoot there was a different series um the expanse maybe where it's one of those, mm-hmm. like, it's um, hard sci-fi based, and I guess, I, I want to say it was that, but it was it was one of those where it was, like, very much, like, no, here's a history of, like, these eight companies that you see the logos of in the background, and this is why this happened, and this is why that happened, and because they went so deep in something like that, it it's one of those things that 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 level of dedication kind of shows through because then it's a whole lot easier to come up with, well, who would the villain in this situation be? And then you can be like, Ooh, yeah, you're not trying to it'd pull. be this. You're not, yeah, you're not trying to pull something else out. You're just like, hey, here's how it g- should go. 
I, I got one, by the way, to bounce off of that. I'm going to go twice. I don't care. Because uh, this is a big one as well. If you're going to go to the trouble of assembling like a writer's room of experienced screen and film writers, right? Mm-hmm. To come up with a whole list of ideas because you want to actually take your five movie long series and then and actually make it into a quote unquote cinematic universe approach series. Uh, and you get like two or three really good ideas. I want to find out who it was that said, what if we crunch them all together into one script so I can throw that person out a window uh, before they get to say anything? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I was just thinking about it the other day and got like reignited of how much I'm just in disbelief that. After movie four does well and also kind of just has one story, um, you assemble a writer's room and then decide, hey, what if we squander all of this by compacting two to five scripts together into one rather than using one of them and saving the others for the actual intended cinematic universe we assembled a writer's room for in the first place? Um and then whoever it was that said, hey, what if we do three of them at once? Like, if we could just, you know, put that person in a box, you know, and then don't, don't have to do anything. Just, just put the box somewhere where it is not going to be opened for a while, um, you know, by us. And then we'll continue working on the films. And then whoever's in the box can get themselves out of there under their own, um, you know, power. Uh, TJ, anything Transformers wise you would want to correct? Uh, let's see. How about we take a we take the sequel to the most popular Transformers cartoon there is, and not try and tell a religious story arc with it. Oh, this is going back to Beast Machines. There you go. Uh, would you say that one could summarize that as "Let the writers watch Beast Wars"? That's a really good point too. <laughs> like, like there's elements of Beast Machines that are good from a point of. If you ignore the fact that it's a transformer show, like yeah. there's yeah, but it's so jarring to go from Beast Wars and then into Beast Machines where they literally change everyone's characterization, and then season two of Beast Machines where the writers did go back and watch Beast Wars, and if I remember right, there is I don't remember what it is, but there is like one straight up key plot point from some episode in season one that on Usenet they said retcon that we ever did that. We have no way of patching that. So let's all pretend that didn't happen. Because, like, between season one and two, if I remember correctly, the two writers actually just went back to watch Beast Wars. And then we're like, okay, you know what? We we didn't... We can actually still run with this, but we got to not take into account whatever that one plot point was. <laughs> that's that's why I would, I would summarize it to that, because it's also like, they went back and watched it anyway after a season, you know? <laughs> Be nice if you, uh, you know, start that way, but better late than never. Yeah. Like, speaking of putting, you know, someone who piped up into a box and leaving them in the basement for a day, uh, whoever it was that was like, you know what, we should make sure whoever writes the sequel to Beast Wars doesn't watch Beast Wars. Because I believe that was like a prereq for whoever the writing team was. Um, so find out whoever thought that was a good idea and then, you know, just carefully load them into a box and then put them in the basement until we finish planning season one. Uh, and if they let themselves out, you know, just make sure the door's locked so they can't come back in. Passive-aggressive improvement of storytelling. We didn't say anything toy-wise. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to throw in, I'm going to go a third time just to throw in the one that I know someone may be screaming uh, into their earphones about. Um, at some point before it happens, go like, hey, you know what? Stickers are cool, 
but if they're factory applied, they might not turn out well. What if we nix the sticker idea? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, two years ago, whenever that that arose. Anyway, um, we're we're going into okay. I, I labeled these topics the thing news because <laughs> we got like sad news, sad news, good news. So, uh, well, I mean, sad news. You know, if you if you just kind of glance at it, like it's. I personally don't find one of these terribly sad, mm-hmm. but I don't know if maybe I'm missing something in in my soul. Uh, and that is the first one: the Toys R Us news. Playtime is over. Wow, Simon, <laughs> Soul Fury, Simon with with the killer yeah. headline. Boy, because uh, it is. Um, hey, a little while after we recorded this, it came out uh, like a day or two later that Toys R Us in America is in fact dead. So enjoy this doe-eyed naive take on uh well i think i think we knew it was going to happen anyway but enjoy this i just want to say doe-eyed naive take so enjoy this doe-eyed naive take before we knew the full thrush of the tragedy so uh last week the toys r us uk uh branch entered administration and uh the usa branch is now on the brink of going into liquidation they had a meeting today right i caught some of this on twitter yeah they had a meet the or the first court thing for this process was today that's monday uh march 12th mm-hmm. um because it'll come up you'll, you'll have this thing up before midnight right? absolutely um and my understanding is it was like the first formal steps the next meeting is um in three days mm. um for how 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 this progresses um yeah, hey, do, 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 do. I'm trying to find because I actually was just looking at that um, notice of adjournment scheduled for two. Um, as of two o'clock today, are being adjourned to March 15th at 2 p.m. And that all matters set for the omnibus hearing on March 12th have been removed from the court's docket. And uh, in, in general, my so, understanding is it's not really looking like a miracle is going to happen. No, not terribly. Um, so theoretically, the Toys R Us name could live on. Um, the The current issues, basically, like another company leveraged out Toys R Us and then took a bunch of loans and then changed a bunch of debt payment structures that was going to push their debt way off to make those numbers look really nice, and now they're having to pay that price on the backside yeah i I, I was hoping to bring that up really quickly here is uh because a lot of folks are seeing this news and you know justifiably from a distance going like oh i guess toy sales are down or something and it's like perhaps but in this specific case it is just a whole bunch of like really lousy corporate lousiness Mm -hmm. uh the offloading of debt and etc yeah um there's actually a lot of companies have gone over under with the exact same scheme like the people who set it off make yeah. off like bandits with millions, and then everyone who got left mm-hmm. with all the loans and debt to deal with never see a dime. I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just also say, completely unrelated, but I say it many times: don't trust corporations; they aren't your friends. Yeah. So um, one thing that I've seen a lot of people talk about in in various threads and places. Um, so Toys R Us as the current business entity is probably pretty much toast. Somebody could th- still theoretically swoop in and save the day. Mm. Um, the odds of that, I believe, are pretty I from everything that I've seen is pretty low. What could happen is it goes up for liquidation. 
and you may see some pretty serious sales. Uh, but also, Toys R Us has like what 800 US locations, quite a few of them are owned locations, not leased locations. The Toys R Us brand and name and all that stuff has value to it. So some other entity may come in and buy the stores and name parts of Toys R Us to make another toy to make like a toy store and mm-hmm. could potentially roll it on if they're coming in. Like in a, in a and it may there. Okay, good. I was going to say there may even be like a company that's waiting for like maybe theoretically Amazon, let's say, because they're giant and have money to just throw at dumb stuff mm-hmm. is sitting there waiting for like all of this to happen. Yeah. In which case they may come in and buy it. And then now they have a bunch of locations and maybe they'll be like Toys R Us by Amazon and then the Amazon star yeah. store with <laughs> Toys R Us and then whatever. And any mutant way something like that could happen. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I, I was just immediately thinking like, like are, the nightmare scenario is Toys R Us is still there, but then they append to the logo and the signage brought to you by, you know, Amazon or Walmart. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, toy, yeah. toy because yeah. Toy, Toys R Us is still like 15% of U.S. toy sales. Yeah. 10, 15 percent it's, it's, it's a it's a yeah. name that is like still synonymous with like not just being a store but it, there are people with heavy emotional investment and nostalgia for that name mm-hmm. that is not like kb toys nostalgia it's a lot more deep set uh than whatever that was yeah. um, no, my toy, no my kb toy nostalgia is that costs how much here yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh you finally went under <laughs> <laughs> Or, oh, crap, it's only a KV. No. <laughs> no, but most Toys R Us actually sell pretty well. Like, the one I go to always has new stuff. The shelves are always full. It's relatively up to date. There's always people in there. From an outside perspective, it'd be hard to understand why they're even going under, because, you know, for the most part, a lot of the stores are very active. Yeah, and, and that's part of the thing that I'd frequently see. Like, the... The ones that were getting closed early on were the ones that truly were the the poor performers. Mm-hmm. Now it, it's just like they got loaded with so much um, bad debt and other sh- business shenanigans that like there was nothing that they could do to to keep out from underneath it. Yeah, this this like it, it's really important to stress that a lot of this is coming from uh the grander game of people who mm. make enough money to live for several hundred years. Uh you know, playing around with corporations and potentially costing the livelihood of people who need to work a lot harder in one year to live for that year. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, I would I, there's a lot of talk now going around of like, hey, we're going to do our Toys R Us dives. We're going to hit the liquidations. And I, I feel like, you know, do what you got to do. But um, I did this when Canada's target was going down. And it, it's just my own personal thing, I guess. But like, if you do it, do it. But be really nice to the people who are actually still staffing those places if they go into straight up like on site liquidation sales. Yeah. And that's a big if. They might not. They might just sell all that stuff on mass to like winners and you know whatever your liquidation stores are. Um, mm-hmm. What's your guys? It's not. But Marshalls. Marshalls is yours. Uh, those oh, are yeah. those kind of stores. TJ Maxx. Yeah. 
Um, like, there's a chance that it's not going to be like, you know, your local Toys R Us has a big closing down sale where everything is 80% off. It might be they lock the door and then everything inside is shipped over to a warehouse. Um, but, you know, if that if they do have the on-site thing, like, be nice to those folks who are working there in the final days of that storefront, if that's the case. Because uh, there's no guarantee that if that storefront gets bought and sticks around, that those are all the folks who are going to be working there, either. Um, I saw that happen... Uh, with uh, when Future Shop closed down in Canada and got fully, uh, it was already, I think, basically owned by Best Buy, but they did a brand swap uh, to change all the Future Shops to Best Buys. A whole lot of Future Shop employees also suddenly found out they didn't have any work, uh, even though one might assume, oh, they're all going to get Best Buy uniforms, right? And it's like, nope. <laughs> they're all going to get paperwork that says they, they don't work there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had but a... Yeah, yeah, my dad lost a job that way. Like we're cha- we're changing yeah. brands, but everything stays the same. Yes, except you, except for all of you, because you're all the baggage. Turns out, yeah, you um, got that old place stink on you. We're looking for new freshes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the logic of you know your Jeff Bezos's. Um, it's also worth noting, Toys R Us America is not necessarily the same as Toys R Us Europe, is not necessarily the same as Toys R Us uh, Asia or Canada. Uh, Toys R Us Canada entered bankruptcy last September, but as far as I've heard, it's it's otherwise just sort of trucking along. Um, mm-hmm. No real word either way. And then I believe that the Asian branches of Toys R Us have been doing quite well. Um, or at least, like, they're, they're fine. So, uh, who knows? Toys R Us might just become a thing that's in other countries, which should be weird. Um... A lot of folks are really, really kind of sky is falling with this news, understandably so. And the part where I'm worried something's missing in me is I'm like, I have a lot of fond memories of Toys R Us, but the idea of Toys R Us closing down doesn't really make me react. And I'm kind of, I'm a little freaked out by that. Um, I, I know a lot of it is that for the most part, a lot of collectors can collect what they want to collect without going to brick and mortar storefronts, uh, which is a bit of a terrifying future, admittedly. Um, but I, yeah, I... Uh, I, I just hope that, you know, folks who are working there on the floor uh, don't get as hurt as they probably are going to be, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, just see what the future holds for all of this. It's interesting to me because uh, Toys R Us is, is, like, literally the last stalwart of the dedicated toy store, right? Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, unless yeah. you count GameStop, EB Games, and how they've kind of halfway transformed into a Think Geek toy store. Yeah. Um, Thinky Geek is kind of in a weird, different way, and then it's like there are some just small places. There's, you know, the Kokomo Toys place that occasionally had some of the, uh, what was it, the Kickstarter toy line that was like the action uh, figures. Boss Fight Studio stuff. Yeah. Uh, stuff yeah, like that. Green Hacks. Like the beautiful scenario that I know won't happen, but I was thinking about um, when I saw, oh, who was it? Um, what's his name? Pixel Dan. Uh, I had a Facebook post that's been going around on my on my feed of him taking his kid to Toys R Us to try to make some happy memories of Toys R Us while it's still there. Uh, and I was like, you know, it would be kind of cool if at least a couple Toys R Us locations that became like privately owned or whatever, uh, if they could become somehow a dedicated toy store that was oriented towards that experience as opposed to, you know, moving tons of product. I don't know how that becomes sustainable. <laughs> But it would be it would be neat if at least one of them was was able to to crack that uh, that code and preserve the you know the parent taking the kid to the toy store um, experience 
uh, in some way. Because certainly it would be a shame if the only way to do that is the toy aisle at Walmart and Target. Because uh, mm-hmm. that's not the same, you know? <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, this also, like, you know, who knows what's up with all them Toys R Us exclusives, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the hard part. those are locked in. Yeah. Yeah. That's the rough part because you know where Toys R Us was really, really helpful is anytime Hasbro got some little idea in their head of, I think we want to make a $200 Millennium Falcon for Christmas. It's like, okay, fine. You can do that on Amazon. You could do that on Hasbro Toy Shop, but uh, shipping is going to be like $80. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you guys take it on the nose, like you tend to do with your coupons and stuff, you know, even just for the US, that's probably costly. Uh, yeah, Toys R Us was great at, like, kind of just, like, having a big bucket and going, like, we'll take it! Maybe, you know, ended up not helping them very much in the end. Uh, but they were a, a major spot for a lot of exclusive ideas and, like, stuff that, you know, maybe wouldn't be picked up by your Walmarts. Yeah. The, those will be the ones that, one way or the other, I think will end up uh, in your clearance Um yeah. type of stores in in your marshals yeah or uh, in canada they'll all get picked up by electronics boutique because they are man they they are catching a lot of stuff right now yeah um anyway we'll see how things go with toys r us i don't think we really talked about this that much and um you guys had mentioned a couple days ago in private messages that like today was the day to kind of get a get get a, a taste of where this is going and you know it is going it seems in the direction that it was most likely to go um so, you know, if you want to pour one out for Toys R Us, pour one out for the people who are actually working there to make a living. Uh, don't pour one out for the people who own stuff and make six figures a year. They don't need you to pour one out. Uh, they need to be uh, sliced into in- individual bite-sized pieces and, and dealt out to the masses. Uh, I've, I've been I've been kind of scowling at millionaires for the last couple of weeks, so you got to pardon me there. That's a, that's a, that's a cartoonish uh, notion I'm presenting. Don't actually eat people. It's probably not healthy. Uh, just don't trust millionaires. <laughs> no, you just need to make sure that, the, that it's cooked. Through. I mean, if it's... I was going to get into literally oh. eating millionaires, Aaron, I would turn to you first for some advice. Okay. Aerosmith has a song about that. Like like directions and a guide, or is it more of a... Eat, eat, yeah. eat the rich. Yeah, but they don't tell you how, right? Like, they just say do it, and it's like, okay, but what if I catch, like, the salmonella or whatever? <laughs> You know, that thing that's in human flesh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's go from that downer news to downer news. <laughs> Not really. This one's more of just a downer in that, like, it's messing up the way things are for me, uh, which, you know, that's my problem. But over at IDW, um, there are two departures happening. Um, one of them is Stephen Scott, uh, their PR officer. Um the other one's, you know, not to doubt to downplay Stephen Scott. The other one's a bit more major. Chris Ryall, uh, editor in chief for fourteen years, I believe. Was he editor in chief day one? I think fourteen he was. years with a publisher doesn't specify. Uh, very early. Yeah, he, he was. He was editor. He was. He was high up for you know as far as back as I can recall immediately. So, whatever the case, Chris Ryle has been there for a lot of the stuff I have liked the most out of IDW's uh, use of not just Transformers but also Ron the Space Knight uh, and uh, Ghostbusters and, and a couple other things. So. It you know he he's moving on to other stuff as one does when one works somewhere for fourteen years and is you know 
has got the freedom to pursue other endeavors. And, you know, everyone, I'm sure, wishes him well. Tons of people who have worked with IEW had nothing but the nicest stuff to say about him. Uh, so, you know, I, for me, it's mostly like, man, he's taken off. And then, like, later this year, we're also hitting the Unicron event with Transformers comic books that's probably going to turn into a soft entry point uh for new readers and i'm like man i hope that whoever is editor-in-chief doesn't suck <laughs> um and there's no there's absolutely no clue as to how that's gonna go but uh you know and i'm, I'm sure it's gonna be fine i'm just like man that's a whole lot happening at the same time but uh yeah i want i wanted to throw it out there uh and, and throw it in the show that uh We've got IDW departures, and apparently Chris Ryle's departure, it was funny, it came up on Twitter is where I first saw it, where he tweeted because it was floating around this rumor. He was like, yeah, it turns out when you work somewhere for 14 years, there is a lot of paperwork involved with leaving uh, and a lot of ways for that to get out before the official word gets out. So I think at the time he was like, I am leaving, but like we'll have an actual nice message about it once all the paperwork's done. <laughs> I am still mm -hmm. doing paperwork. I will get back to that. Uh, anyway, did you guys have anything you wanted to throw out about about this RDW stuff? I mostly wanted to to uh, actually say it out loud on the podcast. Uh, not terribly. Um, glad that it's you know him. Looks like it's him going off to like do his own thing mm -hmm. versus uh, just. Uh, the other ways that this sort of thing happens like a bad story <laughs> yeah. that's not what's happening and that's that yeah i was really happy that it wasn't like chris ryall uh thrown out of idw or something it's like no okay this yeah. is the positive version um but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what what uh, idw's books all look like in uh you know a year or two um and who's gonna take over unless they've said just, who and i just, just haven't caught it garbage fire oh <laughs> I almost said something, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> that would have been a little too mean. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, okay, here's the thing. Hopefully, whatever happens, we don't move into an era of multiple books having letters from editors explaining uh, why characters are getting killed off and then having awkward two page long celebrations of their quote unquote lives as characters in those fictions. Because uh, after they tried that that one time, uh, I certainly hope I never see that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just got caught up to that happening and was like, oh, okay. Did All you right. catch the part where uh, the writer of TF Visionaries said that that wasn't her idea? Yeah. <laughs> That was the worst part of that, because I'm like, man, this all tastes terrible. All these pages that aren't the actual comic yeah. <laughs> at the end mm -hmm. taste terrible. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, hopefully we're not going to have more of that. Um, So let's do some happy news now. I'm happy about this because this is just continuing proof that apparently I am a prophet. But... um. Through the okay, through the official Transformers page on Russia's social networking site Vkontakte, uh, we have accidentally found out about an upcoming toy. Uh, it's going to be Combiner Wars Groove redecoed and retooled with a new head to be Retgar uh, with a Power of the Primes hand accessory. Now, I said a while ago, hey, how cool would it be if they had like a bunch of Junkions as limbs, so you could have a Junkion combiner to go with that Rekgar 
chest plate, you know, mm-hmm. junkie on filler. For, they're friggin' junkie on limb. Just okay, we're getting a junkie on limb. Uh, probably at Walgreens, according to the front page story. Um, I'll just say the head looks pretty tiny, but you know, it's a head that has to fit into that hole. Uh, it, or that it chasm. almost like that one image almost looks photoshopped. Kinda. With the way that the head's on there. The way he's holding the gun too, or the yeah. hand, you know. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it it'd work that way, I guess. But yeah, yeah. The, well, it's the it's like there's something the... like the focus of the head is just slightly off. But yeah, the the head looks funny, but like the color of the of the legs specifically looks very natural. So it's mm-hmm. a very good Photoshop recolor if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. Um, Aaron, how do you feel about this junkie on limb man? Hey, getting more copies of that mold out there because that groove mold is a pretty good mold. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I I think uh, that'll be cool. And I think that this also would lead to Shapeways coming out with three other junkie on heads. And yes, please. Hopefully, like, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be like some part of that chest that would also be modifiable or something just to be like, hey, buy, you know, go to your Walgreens, buy all four that show up at that store and <laughs> buy these three kits. And then you have four junkie on limbs and I don't know, throw it on any torso, whatever. Hey, listen, I did just kind of finish my troop building of junkions from reveal the shield and mm-hmm. all the retools and everything of that so i do have a hole in my buying the same toy 50 times uh schedule uh <laughs> <coughs> you've TJ, got that um, issue resolved i okay here's the thing i have every version uh-huh. except for like the tarantulas but i don't need it uh and then i realized i have like three or four wreck gars and two to four whoever the red one was you know the the recolor that came out in the states uh-huh. junk junk heap or scrap heap or scrap pile or junk whatever his name was the one that wasn't the e-hobby one i have a, a bunch of him too um so i have one of every one of these guys <clears throat> in robot mode and i have a bike for each one of them to ride so okay. I'm, I'm all set <laughs> uh anyway tj um how are you feeling about uh combiner limb Retgar? it's definitely an interesting one to actually throw out there um, I'm fine with it. It's a little weird that the Combiner War mold is coming with the brand new armor thing, which I'm pretty sure doesn't peg onto him in any way. So the um, the shuttle blast off that is probably coming out in a couple months, uh, going by the badly Photoshop smeared packaging images that leaked out, is also going to come with one of those hands. Well, so um, it so... needs the hand because that's part of the the thing and is that the same chest that groove has because if that's one of the thumbs the the thumb halves that have the pegs like what jazz got it could have two holes to peg into that's what i was wondering is if like they might just do one of those like minor retools to like add peg holes basically just have somebody go in there with a knife on it each one of these that comes out of the mold and just like cut it here cut it here make it this big come on also just like speaking of hindsight from that listener question you know what no one would care about is if retgar and blastoff couldn't wear the hand as a chest plate i don't i i don't think a single person no. uh, would be upset no. if they couldn't only if because that f- <laughs> only if i could make 
the ridiculously huge chest on blast off even bigger i mean that's what you would be doing that's all i could it's the only reason i want it but they also make this stuff called poster putty that you could use to do that if you really want to take the one picture uh that gimmick doesn't work, so I, I'm I'd be cool if they didn't do the retooling to to add it to these. I mean, I don't care either way, really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, the the other thing about Rekgar that I saw floating around, which I agree with, is that he also uh, conveniently finishes off uh, an Alita Infinite configuration because you can have Alita One as the torso, uh, Moonracer and Nova Star right as arms, Jazz as one leg, and you got Rekgar here to be the other leg. Nah, I, I gotta say, if it's gonna be Moonracer and Nova Star, they should be the legs. Oh, because you actually have the figure. You, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I think that they'd in, make I, better like legs because nobody gets excited about look at the legs on that robot for a combiner, and they would make very normal looking legs, and then you can have the the motorcycle and car as arms. So I think it's just like my aesthetic taste. I'm I want symmetrical arms more than I want symmetrical legs. Okay. I don't know what that says about me. But yeah, I, this is weird. Whenever I think about a combiner and I think about a combiner who I want to look symmetrical, I'm always thinking about from the waist up. And then maybe it's just like I never take photos that show the whole legs. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's how excited you get it about legs. They're boring. That's right. Who cares? Rekgar, go be a stump. I don't know. It's also because leg mode is literally just, okay, fold into a sort of block and then stand on this foot. Yeah. And I want, I think with legs, it's also I want legs to be thick. And I think that Jazz and Rekgar would make for thicker legs. But I could also just swap them. That's the gimmick. It, they, are, they are scramble city uh compatible mm -hmm. uh anyway we'll see if we hear anything new about Rekgar. i mean Rekgar is also cool in that he immediately fits into that whole thing at toy fair where they're like we have some exclusives for power of the primes that remain unannounced and it's like cool well russia's got the scoop <laughs> check it out one of them's Rekgar. uh that Just, was your own page by the way <laughs> i think there's so many i think it's neat there's so many versions of Rekgar out now because all the junkions are supposed to look a little different from each other yeah, yeah. And like, you know, one of them being the Legends groove as well is like, you know, if someone ever just customizes up a hotspot into like some kind of like junkie on like garbage truck, you know, like animated red guard oh, yeah. out of a hotspot. Just, then just you have like all red guards. Yeah, the full Rekgar combiner with a big Rekgar head in the ladder. Oh man, I want that now. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Electronics box. It's nothing but uh, movie quotes and uh, various Rekgar isms. Crap! I'm gonna be so mad if that never happens. Well, I'll get over yeah, it. I was just, but I'm really sold on this idea. I was right just now. suggesting that all the different molds actually still make a set of Junkions since they're all different. But no, that's if that's in. If you get disappointed because that never happens, it's entirely on you. Mr. Oh, you know what else I want? I want uh, I want a Rekgar done up out of um, what's his name? The one, that's, the, that, the Technobot, the Technobot. What's his name? Afterburner. Afterburner. He's already orange. Afterburner. I know. So just make him slightly more tan and red. Uh, I want the remolded Techno bike stuff, but on a junkie on as well. 
Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, yes, we will just have a bunch of Junkions that fit in with the other Junkions to all look slightly different. Mm-hmm. But then what if, like, five of them could turn into a big-ass Junkion, too? I'd be down. I'd be so down. Uh, anyway, that uh, that does it for our news for this episode. Um, we have a listener question that I'm going to read. Uh, this comes in from Carito. Uh, he says, Hola y buenas trades a los magníficos presentadores del mayor podcast en el universo y Seth. Uh, perdón, eso fue una broma de mal gusto. Seth igual tiene una voz sexy. Bueno, el día de hoy les escribo desde mi pa... What is, is that a mark on my screen? No, that's not a mark on my screen. Pa de Chile, uh, nuevamente con dos preguntas para ustedes que espero que disfruten. I, I pronounced all that perfectly. Why, why did why did you um, read this one to us and not Seth? Since he mentioned Seth, because I ran it through Google Translate, and for some reason I don't remember what it said, but I remember in my head thinking it'd be funnier if Seth heard this without me being there. But I don't remember anymore what it actually said. <laughs> anyway, uh, the question goes on to say, "Okay, so before I ask." Uh, just wanted to write that in Spanish because I realize I've been listening to you guys for almost eight years since I was in high school, and you and the other and other podcasts helped me learn more English than twelve years of going to a quote unquote British school did. So thanks for that. Oh, um, you're rude. Yeah, <laughs> I barely know how my now, we language talk the works. Best English. We talk the the best goodest English here on this podcast. It's the best. Right? It's pronounced. It's it's pronounced sponge. All right. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Look at how it's look at how it's spelt. It's pronounced sponge. Um, also, thanks for listening for like eight years. And since you were in high school, I, I've crossed this threshold a couple times before, and uh, it's very interesting to. I'm trying to think if that was the best way to put it, but I think that's the best way to put it. It's very interesting to hear from someone who listened or watched something that I've been a part of uh, in what I would call very formative years, who is now into the next set of formative years. Because uh, it, it feels kind of like you've gone from being someone who's listening and you're going to high school, and now you're here in adulthood, and it's like, welcome to the club. We're all still chilling out here. So welcome to the club. Um, this also, I felt like, tied in really well with the whole notion of we've been doing this for over 500 episodes now. We're about yeah. to hit a decade of doing a podcast, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Think of how annoying six-year-olds are. Those children are now driving cars. Yep. Uh, anyone who listened to the podcast when they were 15 and we were like, ah, these teenagers listening to our podcast, they are now in their mid-20s. Uh. Um, and, and especially any of them who were teenagers uh, who still stay in touch. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. It's very cool to keep talking to somebody through, again, what I would say is very formative years. Um, a lot of you turned out great. But you over there, you turned out better than great. Question number one. Simply put, is there a Transformers design that you would like to see a Super Robot Shogokin-style, non-transforming, highly posable toy of? I personally would like to see a super posable take on some of uh, the Optimus Prime anime super final forms, like Godfire Convoy or Jet Convoy, uh, possibly with a removable Overlord cannon attachment. Uh, I would love to see some of this stuff. I think that it's less likely to happen... 
uh, than some IDW designs just going by, you know, Flame Toys' license stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, they're the only company that isn't just doing Optimus and Megatron, so they're kind of the one to look I, at right now. I gotta say, for his example, is Godfair Convoy really missing anything? Like... Like you'd so, have to get it. Like, okay, so it, it, the waist is messed up by the clamshell. Yeah, Godfire Convoy's big thing. A, his posability is good, but it did it has aged a little bit. Yeah. But B, he is also an assembly that is held together almost entirely by small pegs. Yeah. Oh, so, come on. <laughs> Him and Magnus are doing like a bro fist handshake thing in it's order real to cool. make that keep working. But like yeah. those pegs are very old now. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, a version where he might not, you know, his his forearm might not shred apart when I'm trying to pose stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like it literally falls apart. It's just, like, that toy was rickety when it was new, depending on what you were doing with it. I was getting crazy with my Godfire Convoy. And I, I remember it having to sometimes put his forearms or his feet back on. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those that's all held together and, like, you know, die-cast, ratchet-jointed and everything with, like, an ab crunch uh, and some, some, some ball socket torso joints and a butterfly. Man, that'd be cool. But yeah, um, Aaron, are there any Transformer designs you'd like to see in like that high-end form? Oh, um, I'm sitting here trying to think. I think that some of the, the primes and the like would be really cool. It'd be mm-hmm. nice, like, for old ones of, um, like, if there were good versions of it like a combiner combined because invariably once you start getting to that size you get something not so great so like you know kind of what we're getting with Predaking, but if you made that like something between leader and voyager sized yeah i think that could be really cool if all that it is is the combined mode forget about transformations com- forget about combinings just something like that very posable what if I told you a third-party company did that, like, four years ago, and it didn't sell well enough, and they made prototypes of other ones, and they never came out? Yeah, I know. It, it's going to be one of those things that it would be so very I put a, niche. I'll link in the chat, because yeah. I own it, and it's a very good Devastator toy, and I got it after they canceled the whole project, because I was one of the ones who's just like, oh, that's cool, but I don't, I don't know if I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Then I got one for super cheap on sale, and I was like, oh god, they had they made prototypes of a Superion and a Predaking to go with this, but they're never going to come out, and this is a really cool figure. I hate myself. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. Uh, before and afters, uh, Devastator. Look it up, dear listener, if you haven't before. It's an excellent figure. Well worth picking up now that it's on an aftermarket where a whole lot of people don't care about it and it became very cheap yeah and it's a shame i I think that that one's issue is it is like that is not not what i'm talking about yeah it's not high-end goken yeah if it was i think if they took that idea and made it high-end goken i mean because it's oh which yeah Yeah, that's right. You yeah. honked that horn, sir or Someone ma'am. Someone way into this. Okay. Um, because, like, my biggest issue with that before and after one, like, it's very... I don't like using cartoon. the word gross, but gross. Not even cartoon. His it's, right foot is awful, but in, in, in the proper way. Right. I mean, the, there's the scrapper just... scrapper foot. Yeah. Like, because one of them has it compared with, is that Hercules? 
Yeah. I, I've lost track on the, the third party. Oh, sorry. No, that's uh, the Make Toys one. That's the Make uh, Green Toys. Giant. Yeah, Green Giant. If it was like that level of detail, of look mm-hmm. on there, I think they could have done much better for themselves. It doesn't have to transform, but even just like the minor detail things, like, hey, it's not just a blocky cab with three blue spots on it. It actually looks like the cab of a truck. I'm going to grab you one more link because this is another conversation I've had with some folks just to like gauge things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to send you a link. Toy World's Devastator is beloved by the we like to spend lots of money to fill our masterpiece shelf collectors. Okay. Um, and so this is a guy who he pulls off his he's, he's the biggest devastator on the market and he pulls off his look partly because his pelvis and, and thighs in devastator mode and ignore the part where part of his thigh is missing in that photo. I didn't notice Duh. that until just now. Uh, There's something that, not clipped on out. or something. No, that's just photoshopped cropped out. Oh, here, that's a, the there's, a, there's a different image. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the waist and the thighs are just a separate piece. They aren't built into long haul. Uh, and that's part of how they pulled off this look. So I asked some folks, because a lot of folks who bought this toy love it, and they they leave it in Devastator mode. And, and a lot of folks who like this toy have proclaimed they're never taking it out of Devastator mode because transforming it is a pain. Getting it apart is even more of a pain. Uh, and they like how it's this giant Devastator. So I was like, okay, what if that robot mode was sold to you for instead of 600 bucks or you know 470 on sale wherever what if it was like a 200 dollar figure and he didn't transform but he was still 24 inches tall with the cool like like he's got a thing where when you move his legs he's got like shifting plates on his thighs Mm -hmm. since you know they don't transform so i'm like he's got all the gimmicks all the posability and they're like no interest whatsoever and i was like all right i'm not i'm not arguing with you but Surely you see how that's a very interesting answer to give me, given yeah. all the other data you've given me. Um, so that's where I would say, like, I think that that idea is solid, but you'd be surprised how many people still aren't into that. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people in our community, a lot of Transformers collectors, they don't necessarily need the toy to to be transforming in person, but they need to know their toy can transform. And I think that's fascinating. And I wish that we could talk more about it without like a lot of folks. And again, I don't blame See, them. A lot of folks get very defensive. That's what, when I, you what I need up. you to do. What I need <laughs> you to do, because I know that you have the memory of a concussed goldfish. Write that down as a discussion topic. Concussed though. For, I mean, yeah, goldfish. Con- yeah. I- <laughs> concussed goldfish. Uh, write that down as a discussion topic for one of our podcast uh, panels. Well, now that you can remember it for me because it's fresh in your mind. Uh, <laughs> the hell you say. <laughs> I, I still need to get a hotel room for TFCon. Yeah, it's fine. You know, get the hotel room. Remember this for a couple months and you'll you'll be all good. But I, I think I brought it up on the podcast here uh, a couple times, but it's true. Like, I, And I, I like to, to ask people this. Because I think it's really, really interesting, and it's extremely specific to our fandom, uh, that a lot of, like, there are a lot of us, and myself included, and, you know, you get a combiner team, you often just leave it combined, because that's the final form. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's like, I'm, to a degree, if you buy Toy World's Constructor, if you bought it for a hundred bucks a figure, you spent the six hundred bucks... The sheer amount of money spent that you are not making use of by leaving it combined yeah. leads me to want to ask that question of, of myself as well um, with, you know, my own combiner figures. Uh, and it's, just, it's, it's, it's interesting how many people 
need it to just have the potential to transform. And it's interesting how many people, myself included, way, way back, would regard that question in a very combative or even defensive state. <laughs> of like, what are you trying to judge me? Uh, but yeah, um, big combiners that are just a big, you know, Goken high-end action figure of a combiner. I would love to see one of those. Because, uh, like, this Toy World is constructor is borderline one of those, aside from all the moving parts inside of his, you know, body mass blocks. Um, DJ, let's pop over to you. Would you be interested in, in anyone as, like, a, a Super Robot Shogokin-style just action figure? Mm. Well, they're doing Star Saber, so my default answer is taken. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Star Saber, Drift, Tarn, Optimus Prime, Hound, Bumble, like a bunch of them are... Flame Toys is covering a whole lot all of a sudden. To, to jump in, from in, to know, Star Saber to Tarn to Hound, is a, that's a hell of a jump for assortments. Like, that's like... Well, to, to be fair, the Hound is is from the model kit line, so he's like a, their other figure I mean, line. That, I, mean, that, um, I mean, that's still going for like titanium levels of let's just, just spray and pray across the fandom that's kind of like their their expensive toys you know drift star saber tarn those are all pulling from idw the model kits seem to be mostly at the whim of the taste of whoever it was that's doing those character designs um you know it starts off with an optimus a bumblebee and a starscream but then immediately like immediately went to like hound uh as well so i think i think that's the designer's taste speaking uh, in that sense uh let's go Let's go a little bit interesting, since we'll play fair, since you talked some Energon garbage earlier. Are you going to stick up for the show? I mean, like, I... <laughs> Not the show. I like the, no. Yeah, I like the, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm dissing on. I am going to dunk on that show, you know, till the, the sun collapses, but the, there's a lot of nice things I have to <laughs> oh, say about the toy yeah, line. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Same page. Same page there. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> no, well, no, we're we're well, well, equal representation, both sides of the coin here. Um, mm. The Optimus Prime wing form, like the wing oh, saber, yeah. Optimus Prime. I love the look of that toy. I would love to see what you could do. Cut out all the extra transformation bits hanging off. Forget that this has to incorporate a whole other set of arms and legs that get stuffed and everything. Just how good could it look if you just made it the robot? With like a defined abdomen, too. That would help. Like take take the since you don't have to do the truck mode, just go like, alright, by the way, we're gonna sculpt his his midriff a little. Just a smidge. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause yeah, that, that is just a cool super robot design. I would, that, that's one I would love to see. To be honest, I would also love to see it like a super robot action figure take on just Grand Convoy, like basic Optimus Prime with the four limb things. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, just like show me that, but like trimmed up a little, you know, um, a little bit of that, a little bit of that pelvis action, a little bit of that, you know, puffy limb action, suck in that gut a little, like I'd, I'd be into that. Um, I actually had an idea for this that I think I, I thought of an idea and I was like, this would actually work as a licensed piece. I bet, uh, granted I'm going to the well here, but okay. Punch counter punch, mm-hmm. right now, if he's a licensed third party figure, um, you know, or a licensed non Hasbro figure, if that's what people prefer, uh, he, I think could be done with two robot modes and the ability to transform between them without necessarily, going outside of the usual um, rules, 
of doing a licensed piece, which is it can't convert from, you know, vehicle to robot. Licensed pieces often still have conversion stuff in them. It's just different conversion stuff. And I think going from, like, the punch robot mode to the counterpunch robot mode is the kind of thing one of those figures could do, and they wouldn't, you know, they would be able to do it while still maintaining the licensed part. Uh, and I would love to see that, because I think that would be really cool. Because uh, it's mostly like, all right, make the arms and the head flip around, you know, in fun ways. Um, I would be so into that. So that, that's my answer. Uh, Carito's second question is, I just got my first full third-party figure, which I love. And I'm looking for ways to marry that sexy piece of super robot plastic. But I wanted to ask you guys with more experience with third-party figures, is that using him as a point of comparison? Should I um, inspect... What should I... I misread that. What should I expect of other third-party figures? Uh, how does the plastic and uh, construction quality compare to other companies and such? Uh, anyway, that's all for now. Adios y buena suerte. Carito, the one thing you didn't mention is what third-party figure you yep. got. <laughs> so I'm not actually yeah. sure what the point of comparison is. Uh, it could be much better so than speaking... Hasbro. It could be much worse than Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, if, if you've got... Yeah, if you bought something from Impossible Toys, forget about it. Just forget you're. I mean, they're only going up. Yeah. Also, they're gone, so you don't have to worry about you know any future endeavors. Um, but I, what I'll say, like broad strokes, is um, in in the grand scheme of things, a lot of third party companies have uh, a range of plastic qualities. But for the most part, it's kind of like your mastermind creations, uh, your your fans' toys, your your uh, Iron Factory, and your DX Nine generally have plastic that in my experience survives whatever's going on for the most part uh and then your kfc your unique toys uh and then uh, some of your other smaller companies ha it's not like their plastic is garbage in comparison it's just often uh used a little more thinly in spots that makes me want to be more careful um a lot of the third-party companies around right now generally are still around because their plastic quality is not so garbage that the toys are disintegrating out of the box. Um, off the top of my head, the worst stuff, like even Keith's, uh, who, you know, Keith's X Transbots, who used to kind of be a, a bit of a kick toy for this stuff. They have, they have been working to improve. They put out an Octane who had a part that broke on the test shots and they straight up announced on the boards, we are doing this piece in palm plastic. And I was like, friggin' did the clouds just part? Because I a lot of Keith X Transbot stuff would have been better with Palm on the tiny frigging hinges, uh, and so you know the, everyone is stepping up in their own ways. Um, the 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 worst I've heard of modern stuff, and this is just you know I was watching some of Diecast's uh, videos about this over on uh, RFC, but uh, Zeta Toys is doing you know, a bunch of things, but they're doing some aerial bots. I don't know that much about their Combaticons, but it sounds like their aerial bots are very... Because they do things that are very inexpensive and large. It sounds like the way they did that on some of their aerial bots is by just not using glue, ever. Uh, and there are parts on their aerial bots that look like they probably should have been glued together, but instead they're just kind of pressed together and relying on some peg and peg hole type things to hold together. And it's very much implied hey maybe super glue this part together or it'll you know not feel all that great so it seems like zeta toys like it's just going for I, I don't own anything they've made but just going by the the noise i hear online it seems like zeta toys is very much you get what you pay for for better and for worse 
most other companies right now, I don't think you have to worry that much about plastic yeah. quality. Uh, construction quality is different, and that's going to vary from project to project, more so than company to company, in my experience. And sometimes piece to piece. Um, I've seen people like crow yeah. about, like, oh, no, build build quality was awesome, and then somebody else in that thread going, wait, which toy? Cause, Except on mine. Because <laughs> mine must have been done Friday at, like... 423 and that's it yeah uh this is also why i I highly recommend people look into getting like the the three staples um of chemicals to make your toys not break uh super glue floor polish and shock oil so that you can tighten thicken rebuild super thicken or loosen any joint uh using some q-tips and some toothpicks uh, on a very base level, like having those things at hand has prevented some of my toys from breaking and has made some of my more jiggly toys less jiggly. Um, shock oil, especially helpful on stuff where you get like joints that are squeaky. Like I got Planet X's video game Optimus Prime. His shoulder pads are riveted in on these swivel connections that are so tight. Instead of moving smoothly, they go like, you know, they move like feels like it's ratcheted but it clearly isn't it's just way too tight so i just like got a bunch of shock oil in all the seams around that rivet until it went like and then i put some more shock oil in and now it still makes sometimes some terrible noises but it moves smoothly and then i read in the feedback thread some people talking about how they broke that part and i'm like i completely see how one could break that part that was way too tight. Iron Factory has this happen a lot too, where their their toys are are often known to be very heavily built and durable, especially for legend scale toys. The thing is, sometimes their joints are way the hell too tight for something that is pocket scale. And you can work that out yourself or just, you know, wrestle with the figure, but if especially if it's a mushroom peg swivel, you can also just put a tiny drop of shock oil in there with a toothpick and then swivel it around. Like lubricating joints, I have come to learn, is a really big part of how a lot of heavy set joints don't shred themselves apart. Uh, you know, like how we all cracked open our Fort Maxes and, and everything, all or Unicrons. You'd crack open the hip joints, and you, and everyone keeps going like, "Why is there all this jelly in here?" And it's like, it's because it's a giant ratchet joint, and it turns out you actually do need to lubricate those so they don't eat themselves. Um, there's some third-party companies that have ratchet joints that eat themselves. Like, the gears will mm-hmm. snap themselves apart because none of it's lubricated. Um, and I recently learned that about a couple of figures where I was like, why does this keep breaking? And I was like, hey, wait, I have another copy of this, and I haven't done it yet. I'm gonna, because I'm not opening it until I do. But uh, I need to open up that hip ratchet and just put a bunch of shock oil into that ratchet gear. Uh, or petroleum jelly or something. I just have shock oil. That's what I have right now. Um, but yeah, those chemicals are all very helpful. Uh, I've said this before. I'm not saying that it's good that you should have to think about this with your toys, but in a scenario where you do, adapt to the scenario and then you're happier with your toys that aren't breaking <laughs> is my approach. Um, thank you for your question, Carito. Any other things you guys want to throw in about third-party toys? Because I know that neither of you really buy a ton of them, so I wasn't sure if there was any other stuff to drop. Not especially. Uh, have either of you guys done, like, or at least gotten more open to the idea of just being prepped and ready to mod something that doesn't work? I mean, I have two of those. Th- I don't have the shock oil. Um, because I I don't think I've had anything overly tight, but I have modded first party stuff in order to 
oh yeah correct manufacturing issues so yeah yeah I, w- I was carving notches out of my cybertron red alert long time ago yeah oh man i don't even remember that i got the galaxy force one I don't remember whatever that problem was. They tried to add tabs on the inside of Red Alert's legs so his feet wouldn't get stuck in there. But they didn't check the size of the tab, so it's kept his legs from closing up, which made meant his knees didn't work. Oh, boy. <laughs> fix one problem. I literally don't remember. Fi- yeah, fix one problem, create a worse problem. I don't remember if that was a problem on the Galaxy Force version. Because Galaxy Force no, Cybertron it, was one of those series where... No, it, it wasn't. Like, the tab... The tab just wasn't there at all on the Galaxy Force version. You just, you know, sometimes it was tricky to get the foot out if you pushed it in too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Because that, that was an era when, like, minor tooling things like that were very different between yeah. the between the coasts. Yeah, so it was like three different versions of that toy across Japan and Hasbro, and it was they didn't get it right till the third one. Uh, I was going to say, just for shock oil, the one that I have, I got this because Toku Nation, sister site, Toku Nation, had a video up years ago about using shock oil to uh, prevent Fig Art's hips from, you know, shredding themselves apart. Similar to that thing I was describing about that Planet X toy, where you have a joint that is so tight, instead of instead of flowing freely, it feels almost like a ratchet joint, even though it isn't. Um so the one I got is Factory Team Silicone Shock Fluid, 80 weight, 1,000 CST. Um, I have been using this two-fluid-ounce bottle for about five years, and it's barely, it still feels like it's new, because uh, I'm just scraping out tiny little, like, droplets of, of it with, like, a toothpick. Um so I highly recommend picking one of these up, because much like floor polish, one bottle of it is enough to last for basically your lifetime. Um... And it's very helpful stuff to have around, especially if you have something that's just way too tight. Because it's it's usually the thing, and I used to do this all the time, if a joint was too tight, oh, I better sand it down. But now it's like, hey, what if instead of sanding it down, I just lubricate it slightly? And usually that ends up helping more, um, and I'm not having to, like, undo a joint to sand half of it down or something. Uh, anyway, hope that helps somebody. Let's talk about what we got this week. Um... Aaron, did you get any Transformers this week? I did. I got Cogman. Ooh, Where'd you I, get him? Where'd you find him? You gotta share uh, that info with the sightings thread, man. You gotta... eBay. Oh. I got it on eBay, and it was a uh, a um, Hasbro uh, Hong Kong. You're the reason Toys R Us failed. Yeah, well, look at, look Toys, R Us ever, Toys R Us ever stocked <laughs> them, I would have bought them at Toys R Us. <laughs> Uh, Toys R Us, I think, was just in the process of clearing out all the Wave 1 movie things that they got. I don't think that one ever got uh, Wave 2. Um, Walmarts in the area are clearancing out uh, the Wave 1 and tiny little bit of Wave 2 that they got. Uh, I think Target just threw them all in the dumpster. So my odds of finding a Cogman in real life uh, locally were null. I never saw one. I've had I've had at least one person go like, "Hey, them Canadian Cogmans," and I'm like, "I also never saw the Canadian Cogmans." Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, I really I like Cogman has gotten so much um, play uh, just sitting on on my computer table, and actually it's like got walked into the other room to watch TV with, and then come back here. Um, yeah. There, there's I. 
it's a good clean transformation. Like the only thing that I have issue with is that like his chest that folds over sometimes the hinge doesn't hinge as well as it should. Mm-hmm. And like the hips thighs don't have color. Yeah, the uh the good paintwork makes the unpainted parts look worse on yeah. him. It that was like I think a photo that I tweeted out because he's got like metal and then a wash over it on his shins and his chest and and abdomen are layers of color, his head is layers of color, his shins are gray plastic. Yeah. And I think it's like the only part on him that doesn't have a paint application. And that's kind of sad. But But then again, it's also like given how much ink wash he has, I'm like, you know, I feel like I can't be greedy. <laughs> yeah. But no, very enjoyable. I like that his car mode has two seats and you can throw a third body up front if you really want to. I am in love with the, the, the car mode. That that car mode is why I believe he is the best Titans Return Deluxe. He has faults, but mm-hmm. what he's accomplishing for that alt mode uh, is, to me, leagues above what all of the other Titans Return Deluxes had to accomplish for their alt modes. Because everyone yeah. got to be a space thing. So yeah. inherently, they all had a bit of an advantage. Cogman had to be a licensed Aston Martin. Yeah. And it still pulled it off pretty well. Yeah. Like, beyond everything. Like, again, that's the thing with, you know, talking about um, Needlenose, the, the the jet with two cockpits. Uh, slug Slinger. Or Slug Slinger. Slug Slinger. Like, it could have had two seats. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, like why, why do you not, why did you not change that up? Because he's a big old retool. <laughs> yeah, to 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 be two cockpits and just like let it be something else. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats on on cogmaning. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a figure Thanks. that I really I really want lots of people to get a hold of. It's a very good figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you switch out his head for a different head or get a new faceplate, you get rid of all the movie aesthetic that's on him. Yeah. So like that that excuse ain't there. That that is a toy people should just get. The one thing is I need to figure out what happened to my um Nitro Zeus and uh and do that head swap. It's mm. around here somewhere. But I have I need I need to go through and take care of the like layers of toy uh that have accumulated upon my desk. I need to I don't want to do it right now, but sometime this year I'm going to get that upscaled knockoff of Nitro Zeus. Because A, apparently it's pretty good, but B, they they friggin' they tried to get third-party clever with his name. He's called, like, something Ares. I was okay. going to call him, I was going to say, like, Fuel Pipe Ares. It's not Fuel Pipe Ares, but something Ares. Like, some kind of Fuel Ares. I'm like, alright. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else Transformers-wise for you? Uh, nope. All right. Well, TJ, did you do any Transformers acquisition? I don't know why I had trouble with that this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. All right. What'd you get? Uh, I have a pair of Duocons. Oh, you found uh, nice. the the new the new boys, the new the new beautiful boys. 
Yeah. My two beautiful boys who aren't out in Canada, why aren't they're my boys? Why aren't they here? I, I didn't find mine either. I just, this is another eBay. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, part e of the problem. Episode 501, we went to eBay. 502. <laughs> Episode 502, we went to eBay. What's up? It's Monday. <laughs> Um, how it sounds like they're very good. Do you think they're very good? Uh, I find them to be very good. Oh man, I want them. Mm. Very base so, level, very base level greed from me here. I want them. <laughs> That's all, man. Want? Yeah, give me, give me that. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are exceptionally nice um you can you can, if you view them apart you can definitely see where the gaps are to, to create the fact that these two can combine you know, mm -hmm. battle slash is interestingly proportioned but he still pulls off i like he, i like his legs I, I know it's a big thing i like his legs well you just think like it's interesting to me that they've come up with aesthetics that, like yes it's because of the combination gimmick but they've actually created some interesting proportions you don't normally get out of a trans yeah. out of transformer characters like battle slash is this very wide-hipped kind of character and you know you don't ever see that and they have road trap who's like wide and squat yeah so like like if anyone remembers the pro wrestler taz it's like yeah short and just beef What's up? I'm a little refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, it's like no, that, 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 Battle Slash, the, it's the fact that they sculpted his thighs to be that curvy that plays well with the wide hips. Because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, no, he just he looks like a little dude who's got big ass hips. Mm hmm. Yeah, the helicopter mode is a little bit weird. Like that that's mm -hmm. kind of where he shows his gaps the most. But yeah, I'm 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 actually impressed that they have you know such good modes just on their own like i i feel okay saying yeah like that's that's a legends class toy like that's your 10 bucks no problem i also want to say like people who only buy one of them you know those hypothetical people they're not monsters all right i i, I, I felt a little bit bad because two people came into the thread going like yeah i can only find the one and like one of them had found battle slash the other one had found road trap <laughs> i was like y'all are they fine should, they should have just traded yeah <laughs> <laughs> But no, like very good, very good individual figures, and then you combine them, and oh my god, like that looks like a good, like a good battle trap. Energon, where were you? Yeah, I mean, like, hey, we've been talking about Energon. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we said this back when he popped up, but like, it seems like it's true. It's like, hey, we kind of low key, we kind of just we figured out the Autobot gimmick from Energon, mm. also as Legends toys. Yeah. <laughs> Same price point, though. Strangely yeah. enough. No, he, like, the articulation's really nice. The proportions work well enough. He's got a little bit of a baggy pant thing going on, but it's still, it kind of works for him. Yeah. And yeah, just so... <clears throat> yeah, it, there's just so much you can do when you got the two. Like, he's got plenty of play value to him. The, uh, that's just reminding me. I, I so I, I was having a conversation the other day about kind of the silliness of of the naming schemes for Transformers price points, and then I was mm -hmm. like, 
whenever that comes up, I'm like, I gotta go double check what all the stupid names were for the Unicron trilogy, since Voyager carried over from Cybertron, and Voyager is still the weirdest price point size class name in Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I always forget how Energon was the one where those size class names were garbage. Uh, I went and got the the list again. Okay, basics. A basic in an Energon. A basic is called an Energon. A deluxe was called a combat. Uh, what used to be a Maxcon because Armada had their own kind of dumb names. Yeah, Supercon, Maxcon. Yeah, now now so Supercons became combats. Maxcons became Mega Combats. Gigacons <laughs> became commanders. And super bases became leaders. I mean, also, uh, what's a what's a gigacon and a maxcon and a supercon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so like Armada wanted to do like super max. Okay, I get that. Energon tried really hard to make it a rank or job based thing. I yeah. always forget about combat. Like I always, even back then, I think I just said like I got deluxe hotshot, not combat hotshot. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, Deluxe was just ingrained in our brains since Beast Wars. Like, yeah. That's just what it is, right? Yeah. yeah, like, like Voyager is weird, but also, like, Cybertron just brought about all of, like, a very good set of names. Like, Scout Deluxe Voyager Ultra Leader Supreme. Like, that, that fl- aside from Voyager, that all flows. Voyager just somehow became our weird Transformers parlance for mm-hmm. a toy that's kind of big. Yeah. I mean, that said, I kind of love that the next series we got going is just bringing back all the size class names that they aren't using right now. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. I think it's weird that the Scout class toys appear to not actually turn into vehicles. <laughs> but Scout is still my favorite size class, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy it's out there. Because uh, those Cybertron Scout class toys look like they just turn into Gerwalk modes. And, like, that's kind of weird. I'm... I, I'm still not fond of it, as as excited as you are. Uh, I'm not excited about that part. I'm just excited about the word "scout" being in the lexicon again. Like I, yeah, like I don't I, actually want to buy any of them. Yeah, ultra. Yeah, like we got an ultra class again. I, we got basic class again. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. What about megas? Do we have megas back? No, no and one's w- ever going to bring back megas. <laughs> I don't know what megas did, but they're never coming back. <laughs> yeah, megas offended somebody. Well, the, the last thing I remember hearing whenever this conversation was happening for the umpteenth time is that, like, Megas were the ones that shelf-warmed, like, like harder than anything ever shelf-warmed yeah. in franchise history. Uh, so whatever Megas were, they just didn't work for the general populace. Yeah, somewhere out there, one of these Toys R Us's going away still has a wall of Transkeeto. And, uh, and Transmetal Inferno. Whatever is actually yeah, Sca- different name, scavenger, right? Scavenger, scavenger. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's literally Transmetal Inferno. That's just how I always remember. Yeah. Remember his name. Uh, oh, but yeah, Transkeeto. I remember when I got my Transkeeto at like BotCon like two thousand something. It was some guy who had a wall of Transkeetos and the other one because there was another one, right? It was Transkeeto and someone. Uh, boom. I don't. No, was it Baboom? Baboom was, Baboom was a lot earlier than Transkeeto. Yeah, yeah, it was because it was. I, I was saying of, like the, was was always there. Okay, now it's bugging me because I can always remember seeing yeah, Transkeetos, and I remember <laughs> I remember seeing Transkeetos and Injectors. But Injectors is a deluxe. I'm gonna go look up. 
Okay, tr no, it had to We're be Baboom. Transkeeto was the, there were only three Megas in Beast Wars. Oh no, they no, normal like, Beast Wars before Transmetal Claw and Scorponok and. Mm -hmm. Uh, those guys are not in this list. I'm oh, this is the second year list. That's why. <laughs> yeah, Polar Claw, Scorponok, and then yeah. So I think it was um, I think it was Baboom. Because I believe at that at that botcon, this guy had like just a mountain of transkeetos and babooms, and then Sunday, five minutes before dealer room closed, I said, "You want to give me a, something like you want to give me like a two for one on those?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> he's like, "Get get them away." <laughs> it's an it, it so I got the two of them for like like twenty bucks or something. Literal infestation. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm glad that you got Battle Trap because I'm I'm happy for anyone who gets good toys, even if I haven't found them yet myself. And I'm getting very envious of everybody who has Battle Trap. Uh, Wave two will show up here. It will show up in Canada. Just have to just bide my time and wait. Cut to six months later. <laughs> Guys, I found Battle Trap. <laughs> I had to pay a dealer forty bucks for each of them, yeah, but I found yeah. them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We got, yeah, we both just got the flywheels re remold. Yeah. yeah. Now, by the way, you want to get sad? Um, a, don't have battle trap, and then B, go on eBay and look up how much eBay sellers are charging for battle trap, uh, and then feel very sad. Hey, see, eBay just. Oh, never mind. That was that was the US only code. Never mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, the the twenty percent off code worked, but like that was that wouldn't be enough to make that worth it. Uh, no, no, no. That like, listing that you were oh, good. Like I got mine retail shipped. Bob, you back after that? Yeah, after that code. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, the um, the shipping is what kills it. Uh, shipping to Canada out of the states on eBay has become untenable for the most part. Because mm. uh, a, it became more expensive, and b, eBay now front charges customs. So it's like, all right, fifteen dollars <laughs> shipping plus twelve dollars possible customs fees like do you get that reimbursed if you don't have customs fees so I'd, i've done a couple auctions and they would reimburse like maybe two or three bucks because they're like hey customs wasn't as much as you thought it would be and i'm like thanks that's why when uh, tj you said you said that um you'd found that that listing of the uh the wave two deluxes mm-hmm uh, I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder, and I looked at it, and then it was like, all right, and also shipping to Canada will be this, and customs will be this, and I was like, well, I'm going to close this tab, click. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they'll, they'll show up over here. I'm just waiting. Um, I did not get any Transformers myself this week. Uh, I did, however, get some off-topic stuff. Oh, yeah, I was totally done. What are you, you got something else other than Battle Trap? Are, are, you, are you roundtabling? No, I'm I'm done with on topic. So the, what else did you get? the the roundtabling of on topic is going to keep coming back to you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'll here. I'll just double check if I got anything on top. Nope. All right, <laughs> swinging back. All right, so technically, I'm still playing with them. So the opinion isn't done yet. But yeah. uh, TF Source ran a very nice sale on Quantron, so I have a Quantron. Okay. Oh, I we have a listener question in the queue that relates to that sale on Quantron, not like very specifically, but it's it's part of the context. Uh, what was the sale price on him? Was it two hundred? Two hundred shipped. Oh yeah. Okay. If you can do that, I would say that's probably. I haven't got Quantron yet because he's always slightly more <laughs> than that. Um, but I still want to get Quantron, even though he's like an older toy now. Mm -hmm. It feels weird to say. 
Um, have, like, just have you have you done like the full run through on them, or are you still just messing with stuff? Um, I'm still messing with stuff. Uh, I stopped at Nose Cone or Sonic Drill. Yeah, only because only because the instructions are in front of me, and I'll never remember these names ever. Sonic Drill, if I recall correctly, is the nightmare toy of the five. Yeah. And I had a friend tell me he was the favorite for him. I'm like, I I hate you now. Why did you tell me this? Here's the wonderful thing about Quantron, having only really messed for a long time with one of them, but I've I've laid hands on all five. Uh the five members of Quantron are all so different that it's kind of fun how if you ask someone who their favorite member is, a lot of people have different answers. Mm-hmm. Uh Sonic Drill if I recall correctly, it's not so much that he's, like, just a nightmare toy. It's just that he has, like, a couple certain motions where you're, like, for a set of figures that specifically was supposed to be a little bit easier to transform, this sure ain't it. Because, uh, like, the jet guy um, is the complete opposite <laughs> of, oh, that of was, Drill Guy. That was the... that blew my mind! Because I go through, like, Afterburner's, like, four, you know, like, 12 steps, and then uh, light speed is, like, 14 steps, and then you get to Strafe. Four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that Strafe four. Is, a, is, is a beautiful toy, just on his own. Like, I, I have the Shattered Glass Colors one they released, and I'm still happy, even if that's the only one I ever get from that color, color scheme. Like, that's just a good standalone toy full stop the other ones are all fine but like they really hit something with that strafe uh and the sheer amount of variance in him too like for all the moving parts how you can just make his jet mode look slightly different uh mm-hmm. i like that strafe a lot mine came with separate hip parts that apparently fixed something but i don't know what there yeah there were a bunch of fixes on him for a variety of things that i was fully versed in about a year and a half ago and yeah, I've I'm, since forgotten. <laughs> I'm researching it now. I don't know why mine still has like replacement hips because all the other ones are apparently fixed out of the box. If you've got the second run, which these seem to be, there was, if I recall ha- correctly, there was a bit of a weird bleed over where ones that were fixed also came with the fixed parts. Uh, and it might be superfluous. <laughs> Um, there was something in the feet, I think, or no, no, I'm thinking of a different toy now. Uh, that was Warbitron's thing. But yeah, worst case, I think if you go in the Quantron thread and you just go like, hey, what are the fixed parts for? There's, there's going to be a bunch of Quantron scholars who will just be like, ah, well. Yeah. Well, like, Nosecone's <laughs> hips are, no, not Nosecone's, uh, Strafe's hips are the only ones that are here. Like, apparently, like, all the other ones got, started getting fixed out of the box. So yeah. all the other ones, see, all the other I got seem fine. And it's also the part where they moved into that s- the single box releases of them where also a lot of that weird bleed over between like the fixed parts and the already fixed figures mm-hmm. happened, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah, which yeah, which is how I got mine. So I just got I like I I thought there was a gift set box. And then there was. I just got Yeah, like <laughs> that's what I figured when I ordered, that's what I thought I was getting, and when I got the box, it was all five individuals. Okay. Alright, whatever. Yeah. Oh, man, if they're doing Quantron sales, I should really prioritize them. Quantron and Guardian, uh, their Defensor, are, like, I have their Groove, just because I, I picked them up on his own, because I like them. Uh, th- I saw, th- I was kicking myself. Uh, last toy show, someone had the Make Toys hotspot for 90 Canadian, and for some reason I thought that was just his retail price. 
And then I checked it when I got home, and I was like, oh, his retail price was like 150 American. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I probably should have bought that, so I'm hopefully going to catch that next toy show. <laughs> no, but so far what I've played with has been fun. I wish there was less parts forming, which is my only upset, that there is some on Scattershot, his giant cannon nose cone, and yeah. the nose cones on Strafe. That's a little unfortunate, but I like the rest so far. Afterburner's turning into my favorite. I love that Afterburner. He's this cool Tron bike who has a weird transformation and has a massive Warhammer. Yeah, the like, the weapon gimmicks on all those figures, I recall thinking were the coolest uh, thing at the time. Um, I think I liked Afterburners the most, but yeah, I can't quite remember. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. I I I gotta wait till we're done here, and then I gotta look up a video to figure out how to transform Nosecone. I, I yeah. cannot get him. I I've literally been trying this entire recording. I can't get him into <laughs> tank mode. There should be a lot of videos about that because that was a thing uh, back when he was new. <laughs> um, cool. Anything else Transformers wise on your end? Uh, that'd be it. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go into my off-topic things because they're very brief. Um, one of them I tweeted about, so I will go grab my Twitter picture. But uh, there's a, a fellow on Instagram, this is where I know him from mostly, uh, called Can of Beams, who makes stuff, mostly beams and stuff, and blood spurts and things for, for photography, for uh, action figures. And um, I've talked about the Godzilla beam I got from Can of Beams before, and it's just, it was very nice. Everything Can of Beams makes is like a handmade piece. Um, but one thing that he revealed on his Instagram some months ago that he was trying at was the, uh, these mini bases where there was one for Tamashi stage arms and one for Figma arms. And I got like a pack of each basically. Um, and the idea is like Figma stages and Tamashi stages, they have a huge base plate and it's bigger sometimes than what you want for a crowded shelf. So uh, what Cannon Beams did was he came up with a replacement base for the arms that is much, much smaller, but still is able to hold and balance, you know, a figure being on it. Um, and so uh, he's actually releasing a version two on Friday, which is called the unit base, where instead of having like a different like, you know, I so I got like some for Tamashi stages and some for Figma bases. And then like a bunch of people said, hey, can you do these for like four or five other, you know, type of display stands? So. On Friday, he's putting up pre-orders for the unit base, which is like a slightly thicker base that still has a small profile that just has like six differently sized holes in it. Uh, and I think that idea is 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 genius. Um, I think this whole, this whole thing is like this is a very smart idea that I'm kind of amazed. At least I haven't seen someone else do before. Because the worst part of using Thomas G stages is that they have that gigantic base plate, uh, especially if you're using them with like smaller figures. It's just kind of annoying. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put in some orders on those unit bases when they go up. Cause I have a lot of Tamashi stage arms and I've kind of come to the point where I'm like, you know what? I can maybe take all the stuff from Tamashi stage boxes, uh, and, and packaging and stuff that isn't the arms and just throw that all in a bag and forget about it. Cause all I ever want really are these arms. Uh, and if I can have smaller footprint stands for them, then all the better. But, uh, that was one half of my off-topic what we got. The other thing I got, I don't have any photos of, but you, you, have you guys seen that Marvel Legends Ghost Rider with the yes. motorbike that just came out? 
Um, so thanks to a load of hoopla on Twitter, who's a Canadian Twitter user, uh, I found out that Toys R Us Canada had uh, that assortment of Ghost, Ghost Rider and Black Widow up on Toys R Us Canada, and due to a glitch in the system, you could use the coupon for them that's for Hasbro toys, but not for Marvel Hasbro toys. So you can knock 20 bucks off the price, which knocked it under the price for free shipping. But again, due to a different glitch in the system, it would still give you the free shipping. Uh, so I ordered Ghost Rider. Um, I was tempted by Black Widow for the motorcycle, having seen it in person. But then also having seen it in person, I was like, that Black Widow figure is a ripoff compared to Ghost Rider. Because for Ghost Rider, you're getting a figure with an accessory and five add-on parts for his bike. With Black Widow, you're getting a figure with no accessories except for a separate head, like a second head, and then a motorcycle with no add-on parts. And I'm like, how are these the same cost? Well, uh, that's the Marvel Legends thing. You see how, like, this wave has the Hulk in it, so we have to do Wasp to balance it out. But this is, like, two things. This is a wave of two things. Their whole thing is it's a figure, it's, it's a bike and a rider. So one of them is a bike covered in accessories with a rider with accessories. The other one is a rider and a bike and a head. And, and <laughs> you've and you've bought Agito's bike. You know how this goes. So yeah, I guess I, I by skipping Black Widow, I got all the value or something. But uh, it's it's apparently this is the Ghost Rider that they released some time ago. But now he's in the proper Johnny Blaze blue uh, for his uniform. Uh, his bike has all these add-on flame bits, which is really cool that you can pull them off, even though the tires are always translucent orange. But there's one little flame bit on the very back of the bike on, I guess, the gas cap. And in the photos on the box, it looked like you could take it off. And when I tried to take it off, uh, it snapped the peg it was on off instead. It was on, like, a ringed peg. Um, so it, it felt like in the factory they glued it on there or something. Anyway, it didn't come off until I broke something. So then I drilled holes in it and I put a brass rod in there and now it is a working peg thing again. It's just I had to build a new peg. Um, but that aside, it's a pretty darn cool figure. The bike is pretty darn cool. Uh, it's got this add-on thing on the front that you can pull off and let Ghost Rider use as a shield, which seems very silly, but I kind of I... like it for that. Yeah, I don't know. Has Ghost Rider ever had a shield? Probably not. Uh, it just It's like a coincidence that the clips that clip onto the front fenders also fit over his wrist. Or fenders, whatever the... You know the two rods that connect the wheel on the front of a motorcycle? I'm getting technical mm -hmm. here. Uh, if those were called fenders, it's the thing that clips on those. Um, so I'm happy enough with it. Like, I'm happy I didn't pay 60 Canadian for it. I'm glad I paid, you know, a sale price for it. Uh... But yeah, as somebody who doesn't buy a lot of Marvel Legends, it's I like Ghost Rider a lot, so it's pretty cool to get a Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. Danny Ketch is still my my Ghost Rider, uh, but I, I have not seen a figure of Danny Ketch Ghost Rider that I actually want to buy, so I'm still waiting for that. Um, I have another off-topic thing. It's more news, and this might just be for you. I just got to share this. TJ, have you kept up with those Shodo Kamen Rider or Ultraman figures, like the little, little G.I. Joe-sized ones? I have... Uh... I've looked at them. I'm aware of them. So I thought Shoto was done because they finished all the Showa era riders. They finished with Zekros and then they did like some other Shocker Goon. They did a web exclusive box of some other Shocker Goons, uh, Jay and Shin to like finish all the pre-2000s riders. And I was like, all right, Sh Shoto is probably done. And then they hinted in a blog post about a new Shoto series. Anyway, they just this, this showed up on my friggin... Uh, on my social media, and I gotta share it with somebody in the moment here. 
Um, they've revealed Shoto Nine, and they're doing a friggin' Hiroshi Fujioka GI Joe figure. It's it's okay. it's seventies Hiroshi Fujioka okay. GI Joe scale, just in his seventies, you know, friggin' motorbike gloves and business suit. <laughs> I'm amazed. And then they're doing like the original, like first couple episodes of Common Rider Shocker Goon, where it's just a guy in a black jumpsuit with a beret and a bandana over his eyes. And then like they're also doing Kiva because you know <laughs> why wouldn't you do Kiva at every scale that isn't big arts? But uh, yeah, this is just one. We have to get Kiva in there just to rub it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's some Kugas, but you know whatever. I'm, a, I'm a just a, comes out everywhere. They're they're doing friggin' civilian. <laughs> freaking civilian Hiroshi Fujioka uh, anyway I had to get that out somewhere because it was on my mind for the last like 10 minutes uh, and that's also all the off topic what I got this week's if they like go like completely out there and I get like a Joe Shigeru freaking they, they did one-eyed titan already <laughs> yeah so like if they if their whole thing is hey we want to finish the Heisei Riders but we love Showa era so we're just gonna redo everyone as civilians now it's like all right <laughs> go for it I sure hope that's the case I'm amazed I thought Shoto was done uh, anyway that's a that's that's for the Tokusatsu podcast uh, that I'm not on um, <laughs> TJ did you do any off topic stuff this week. Toy wise, not a lot. I got more of those little micro arcade games mm-hmm. that I liked so much. So like I've got like the Pac-Man, the Miss Pac-Man, Galaxia, which is the four now the four they make. And they're all shockingly good. Like it's a proper screen with proper emulation of the old arcade machines. It's not the the junk L C D ones that you see littering Walmart. Yeah. I I was looking for those at my Toys R Us and I did not spot them yet uh, at Dufferin Mall, but uh, I'm still still eyes open. The thing I remembered is I saw the magnet things you were talking about being stateside now. Um, Ooh. I saw them in Canada. I think that you posted a photo of them. They had that weird name, Screechers or whatever. Yeah, it's Screechers Wild. Yeah, they had the first wave of those at my Toys R Us. Um, the little ones and the slightly larger ones and then the, like, starter pack or whatever. Yeah, there's a starter pack thing where they came up with, like, launchers for the cars. But, like, it's the weirdest size scale because it's, like, $8, $10, $12. Yeah, and I I, I was digging around going, like, hey, you got that merging scorpion yet? And I'm like, no, they don't. That's a a different line. That's what um, I that's what I figured. I, I found the praying mantis and I almost bought it, but then I was like, I I need to not do this right yeah. now. But <laughs> the yeah, the praying mantis is still my favorite one. I actually got a, I actually got one of the Screecher Wild ones for my little cousin. Yeah, no, the the price was fine. I think they were like ten Canadian or something um, for the mm-hmm. like you know the praying mantis. And yeah, I, I it was like right after we had that conversation, I was like, I wonder. And then they were all sitting right there, like in kind of a destitute part of the toy aisle. They they seem like they are a how do you put this? They seem like they are occupying one of the cheap product spaces in the toy aisle. Yeah, so uh, we need we need something <laughs> here between seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I, I saw mean, them and I was like, hey. <laughs> I mean, like Me Card ended up in Canada, and now Mattel's distributing it in the U.S. And mm. that's like it's like supposed to be this big deal that we're now like 
This is the next toy fad, is all these spring these spring-loaded car toys. All you have to do is look to China and Korea to see the future. Yeah. That's the truth. You know what you know what? I was there a year ago, man. You don't yeah. even know. I'm a I'm a I'm a spring loaded magnet car hipster. <laughs> I was into these <laughs> things before it was well it's not even considered damn, cool now. Damn right. <laughs> um well, cool. More more little arcade machines. Uh, uh yeah. I take more photos with them than I do play with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun. Um, Aaron, anything off topic on your end? Subnautica? If that counts? I, uh, well, it oh, does, but then I also kind of blew I've, that wad already. Word. Yeah. Oh. Um, not a ton else. Uh, dog vet appointment that cost more than anything else I've bought in the last six months. Woo! With the potential for more. Yeah. Potential thyroid issue and puppy dog. So oh, we're man. figuring out uh, if it's a thyroid issue or a different thyroid issue or or uh, Cushing's. And I believe all of them are very treatable. Just a matter of figuring out which one it is, which also means tomorrow morning I need to catch him peeing and conserve some of that. Catch so, him hey, peeing. Pee in this cup. Yeah. <laughs> Drug test, dog. I'm going to try to conv- Okay, I know this concept makes no sense to your instincts, but can you pee in this cup? Yeah. Just going to run around trying to chase you while you're trying to do your business. <laughs> it's like, why do you care so much all of a sudden? Yeah. Look, look uh, it's a thing we're test we're testing for doggy growth hormone. And then like 2 seconds later, hey, what's in that cup? Let me have a sip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, lemonade. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> you went um, there. You went I there. I did. I did. Don't drink pee. It's not good for you. You do that in Subnautica, though, don't you? You drink no. your pee. No. Well, you have a recycle suit. Oh, you is, do the, have, is you there do a, like, a, you, a you do recycling have a, you have a, Okay. You have, a, you have a suit that recycles your bodily fluid, and then, like, every ten minutes, just, like, a bottle of water pops up okay. in your inventory all right i've i've not gotten to that yet i guess i didn't mean to drop it's, spoilers it, on you it's actually remarkably useful i mean I, in real life that would be remarkably useful i don't know i got a water purifier big thing to go on my base and now i have more water than i know what to do to deal with so drink it yeah water water everywhere let's all have well, a drink i i've got like four or six like, I have a storage container by the exit where my moon pool is that's just full of, like, water and preserved fish so that I can always make sure I have some of that. But I also have enough, like, fruits that keep me fed and hydrated whenever I run back to base to to build a thing to get the next step done. So Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what like, you do is you like, build, like, like, a little I'm, orchard. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm past that... Uh, that demand cycle, and now it's a matter of finding friggin' diamonds. Well, I hear if you just le- go out the edge of the map, you'll find some diamonds. Maybe if we finish this podcast, I have a little bit of time, I could go check it out. Alright, well, you know what? C- c- oddly enough, coincidentally, I think we're at the end of this podcast. So, uh, thank you guys for joining me, thank you all out there for listening, and uh, we will talk to you uh, later on. I'm heading over to BC for two weeks. Uh, for the Capital City Comic Con and also to hang out with my mom because my mom is cool. Uh, yes, she is. I know you're all thinking, hey, 
I was about to say, I was like, you're all thinking, hey, you got biased because you're related, but Aaron can confirm my mom is cool. She is. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting trip. Uh, and I'm going to be podcasting from there while I'm over there. And uh, yeah, until then, uh, stay safe and we will all talk to you later. <laughs>